0: Okay, loyal horn toad listeners. I hope I didn't scare you with the last segment, but we still have David here. David, you were meowing earlier. Say something. Ah, he just looks away now. But anyways, um, so <clears throat> let's go ahead and jump on to segment four for season six, episode eleven. And this one is Shapeshifting travelers. This segment looks at the possibilities of shapeshifters being able to, being able to transcend space and time. And what I mean by that is, you know, they could possibly go back and forth time travel and however they find these portals, you know, maybe that's what's going on, you know, because in a way to me, a lot of the um, skinwalker activity that used to be such a big, you know, phenomenon back in the early 1900s, mid-1900s, late 1900s, all that stuff, um, early 20th century, you know, um, that's where I kind of think, did these guys really die? You know, I, I know they're, well, their body, sure, for sure, their body dies. But, you know, the spirit lives on. So what I'm trying to say is, did their bodies also move on? You know, were they ever, like, Is that why nobody could ever find the, you know, like bones of a skinwalker, you know, bones of a shapeshifter, bones of a cryptoid? Well, somebody might say, well, native ravager, that's because, you know, they, they weren't always in that state. They were, you know, they, they were, they, (laughs) like when they died, they finally turned back into a regular human and they had their regular, uh, anatomy back, you know, back in order, and the biology of their organs and all that shit came back in order. So that's why you won't, you won't find them. And which is fine. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be right about anything, but I just, um, I just say that, you know, do the, these guys, cause the possibility possibilities are always there, but did they, you know, find a secret to space and time and the, The thing that kind of trips me out about, you know, Skinwalkers being able to go through time portals and travel is, um, you know, that movie Phantasm. When I watch it, I think of the the astral plane. Um, If you watch Phantasm Ravager, where I got my moniker, or where I came up with the moniker Native Ravager, Uh, basically part five phantasm five excuse me um reggie goes into the astral plane and he talks to the tall man in that astral plane he was just telling him man just leave us alone why do you keep messing with us and tall man he's already had you know years of experience dealing with dead people and going through um all these portals and timelines and all that shit so he was just telling reggie just stay out of my way you know Let me, uh, let me do what I got to do with Mike. And I think what he was trying to do, um, with Mike was make Mike his protege. He wanted Mike to take over tall man's work. So, but Reggie kept stopping him, you know? So it it was kind of like an interesting story. So that's my takeaway from it. And when I watched uh, a review, um, some people were saying, oh, it's a, it's a two part thing where you know, you come up with your own conclusion of what you think uh, phantasm ravager means. And, um, you know, you go from there. So that astral plane that, you know, that's that state of consciousness or is it unconsciousness where, um, I want to do a little bit more research on it, but just from what I can gather, when we go to sleep, obviously it's like dying, you know, you close your eyes and you lay back and, you know, when you get a good night's rest, then you wake up and, um, you're alive again, you know? So, um, that part right there, when I hear people talking about like when they meet a family member that died and they're like, oh, well I met so-and-so and, um, yeah, everything was back to normal. They looked like they were okay. There was nothing wrong with them, you know, It's always like a happy memory where, you know, they don't really see them as struggling anymore. During that phase of sleeping, um, perhaps, I don't know too much about this, but this is my guess is that the spiritual energy of whoever passed away manifests, (laughs) possibly comes through a portal again. And then meets up with the family member that was hurt the most, you know, that was really affected by it. And that's where they go into the dream state and that's how they can talk to their loved one, you know. So that's what I'm thinking, you know. I I don't – I haven't seen any videos on it. I haven't really researched it too much. But that astral plane is something that really captures my imagination. It fascinates me, you know. I would like to know more. I would like to – be aware of how it works. But, um, it's kind of like, um, when these, these Navajos that go to church, when they're saying, Oh, well, you got to believe in the Lord. And I I know, and, uh, believe in what I tell you. And to me, I'm like, well, did you ever die? You know? And they're like, no, no. Why do you, why do you want to know that for? It's like, well, then if you never died, then how can you speak on behalf of something as grandiose as this God ideology? You know, you didn't die. You know, why don't you just say that all you want to do is, uh, just say a few words about possibly the Bible or the religion, or just say a few things, but don't fucking preach, you know, just, you know, yeah, you're entitled to your religion, but if you never died, then what makes you credible? (laughs) You know what I mean? It's kind of like, uh, I don't want to listen to, um, a guy that's, uh, never worked on a house before saying, oh, I can build you a home because, uh, you know, I ma- I manufacture tampons and I, I, I squirt the, um, the, the shit that goes into a tampon to absorb the smell and odors. And it's like, well, then what makes you qualified to build a house? Oh, well, I did a third grade project or, you know, oh, I helped my grandpa one time, you know, so. All that stuff is like, I'd rather do talk to somebody that's already died, you know, and came back to life. That's a person where they don't say much about it because it, it really, um, it really affects them, you know, it affects their lives, their thinking. And, you know, I don't really know of anyone who has died and come back to life and just kind of like preached about the Bible, you know, preached about God and, and Jesus. So to me, I'm just more like being rational and logical and just saying, you know, I want to talk to someone with some experience, you know, and because um, for me, I, I I never died, obviously, but, you know, just dealing with death on a personal level, as far as, you know, having family members go. And having to deal with planning the funeral and watching them being buried, you know, that is where my mind just will not accept, you know, all these faith-based words on how religious some certain thoughts are, you know. And that's why I say with, um, you know, Catholic and religious, uh, I mean, uh, Catholic and um, what's the other one, Christian religions you know, I, I let it be, you know, that's, that's not really my thing to judge that, you know, I didn't come up with the religion. So I I ain't gonna, you know, make up the rules on it like I can with the nonprofit, you know, Uh, or come up with the rules for the podcast. But, um, you know, I just don't want to hear Navajos, Navajo Christians tell me this. Uh, Because for one thing, you know, why is it that they want to preach, but yet they don't want to change the world? You know, they don't want to help out that much. Um, when the Clagato community had all those um, emergencies, like the, the snowstorm and the fires that broke out, all the religious people, they were gone, man. <laughs> I don't know what the hell happened to them, you know. And um, those that stayed behind um, and tried to help out I guess they were more or less traditionalists, you know, kind of looking out for their, uh, not so much their family members, but their community members, you know. It's like, well, I'm I'm trying to help out here, you know, because I may need the help too one of these days, you know. So that's where I kind of uh, draw the line at saying, you know, if somebody's going to preach to me, I will listen, just if they had already died before, you know, because then they know what they're talking about. And then, you know, yeah, then I'll listen. Like when my, my, my brother with the pharmaceutical uh, issues, well, he was, in a way he was addicted to it, but it was because of his uh, heart condition, because like I had explained, and I think it was this last, uh, last season, he was born premature because my dad would really beat up my mom when she was pregnant with pretty much uh, all of us. But I don't know, me, I really didn't have any like physical defects or uh, anything that I can contribute to, you know, um, being being born premature, or anything. But um, when when he when he died on the operating table, he died for about I want to say two minutes, and uh, in that time, I, he said he saw Jesus. So right there, I believed him, you know, because it's like, well, he died, you know. So he died. He said he saw Jesus. And I said, was, was he wearing like a white robe? He goes, yeah, man. He had a beard and everything. He had long hair. I said, oh. I said, did he? what what language did he speak to you? Did he speak to you in Navajo or Jewish? Or what, did he speak English? He goes, oh, he just spoke regular English. He just told me um, it wasn't my time that I I had to. Oh, shit. I forgot what he said. Jesus told him something, man. I don't remember now. But anyways. um So he just told me, he goes, yeah, I mean, pretty much, I think he said, Jesus told him he's, you know, not to worry about the little sinful things or something like that. And he says, just keep doing what you're doing, you know, and um, well, I guess eventually, um, however, the afterlife and death works, you know, it came for him and it got him. So, but you know, that's just one thing that I, I I'll believe him on that, you know, uh, but I just don't remember what Jesus told him. And, and then, um, the other thing too, is, um, all the, um, what was it? The, um, Stargate portals and, you know, all, all that with, uh, the astral plane is what I was still talking about. I kind of went off subject, but the one thing that's kind of made me talk, think about these, um, um, using logical reasoning, rational, logical reasoning about, um, shape-shifting travelers is, you know, just, just the eighties, man. It's, um, there's just something about the 1980s that it's kind of Gothic in a way to me, the color Brown. I know when my late older brother died from cancer, he, he was, um, we buried him in a, a brown casket and i think from then on and, and there was a lot of things in the house at the time that was brown and a lot of the furniture was i don't know I, i'm pretty sure it was from like the late 70s but excuse me um brown was just a color that i identify with mortuaries and um and what's kind of creepy was um watching that uh that movie ready player one at the end when that guy Parsival, he meets up with the uh, the gamer um shit i can't remember that old man's name but they were back in the 1980s well it, it looked like the 80s and um and the the guy that created the oasis for that ready player one game um he he had like all the nostalgia 80s posters and he had like the the clothing the old tv the old games and a lot of that just kind of you know it kind of made me trip out it was creepy actually and um because that time i one of my other brother died from um from the failure kidney failure and all that i went to um oh shit i forgot what that place is called it's a mortuary in a i think it was sunset mortuary um in albuquerque and and i was trying to look for the main building And I walked into the mortuary, and um so I was walking down the halls and I was just looking, I was like, oh shit, this is the um the mausoleum. There we go, not mortuary, the mausoleum. I was walking down the mausoleum and um I saw those where the you know the the bodies are you know they're put into those like storage containers, you know, and then they're sealed up. So I really did I I I don't know how to say this, but I felt safe (laughs) around those dead bodies. However, I, I was just imagining what it would have been like if I heard a knocking, you know, like boom, boom, boom from the inside. Not only that, but I was trying to listen with my ears to see uh, or to to hear if uh, there was like a wailing or crying or something. Because to me, I wanted to tell that person, hey, look, I'm here. Um, I can hear you. Uh, uh, I'm a Native American. I don't know if that would have made a difference, but I would say, you know, I'm, I'm here. My, my brother passed away, and uh, um, I'm just trying to find, I'm just trying to organize, you know, where to put him away at. You know, I, I wanted to have a conversation with a dead person, basically is what I'm trying to say. But um, it just kind of gives me that feel like, I don't know, it just looked like it was really designed in the 80s, that mausoleum. And it has got it had like a real 1980s feel to it. So when I watched that Ready Player One, when they're inside that guy's room before he walks out and he gives uh, Parcival the last – was it the last egg or the key? Or the egg? Yeah, it was the egg. And um, so right there, it just kind of puts me back in that headspace where I was walking through the mausoleum. And that was like – the mausoleum wasn't creepy but watching that movie scene it was creepy so (laughs) I, i can't explain how the hell that really played out like that but it did and holy shit i passed my 15 minute mark so let me go end this right now and then we'll jump on to the fifth segment of the night this one will be scientific traditionalism and let's also see if i can make sense of this one here we go